1: Welcome to our latest episode of our late boomers podcast I'm Kathy Worthington
2: and I'm Mary Elkins today we're interviewing each other so you can get to know us your hosts we
1: want you to know our stories
2: we'll still be bringing you conversations with people who are stars in their own fields in upcoming episodes I'll start a little and Mary can interrupt me this is Kathy
1: I always knew I wanted to be an entertainer because my dad sang around the house. He sang in the church choir. I did too. And so from the time I was 12 years old and saw Haley Mills on In those brilliant Disney movies that she was so good in. I was obsessed and I knew I was going to be an actor and I took the singing in the church and school choirs and performing in musicals and community theater and everything that the school offered and everything I could get into. And I got into UCLA as a theater major, which was a big coup for me because I wanted to get to LA where the business was. And growing up in Riverside, I was pretty far away. So when I got to UCLA, I actually started modeling and got a modeling agent, started going on auditions while I was still a student and i did a small film for american film institute while i was at ucla and while i was still a senior in college i did my first lead in a feature film called trip with the teacher which you know that's the craziest film it's now a cult classic it's crazy bad awful if you guys want to look it up on youtube it's hysterical now because it's so crazy bad but I also got into a singing group when I was still a junior and it became apparent at first I thought maybe I'll drop out of college and we'll tour and we had a record out and everything but it didn't pan out but we did do a really good gig at the Playboy Club on Sunset Boulevard and while there I thought wow the bunnies are so nice and I met the bunny mother who was in charge of hiring and taking care of all the girls and everything. And I said to her, can I come and find out about this? And she said, you'll have to come to the bunny hunt because we're gonna open the Century City Club. And so day after graduation from UCLA, I went to the bunny hunt and they were seeing hundreds of girls and I got hired as a bunny. And that was the best thing to subsidize my acting career.
2: Wow, did you ever go to Hefner's mansion?
1: Oh, yes, because for several years, the bunnies were invited to the Sunday night parties. The Playboy Club was always closed on Sunday nights, so we the girls adored going there because we just hadn't seen a spread like that. The buffet was amazing, open bar. We had a
2: blast. That's interesting. But well, didn't you meet your husband at the Playboy Club? I did. He was
1: managing an entertainer who was appearing there at the time. And so he was in there every night. Everyone knew who he was, if you got him in your station, what to do and blah blah blah, but I had never really talked to him. And um, one night he came, I waited on him, him him for his birthday and he came in the next night and asked to sit in my station early in the evening when no one was there. So we had a really good chat. Next thing I knew, he asked me out and they had changed the rules so that we were now allowed to date the customers and the people we met there. Because prior to that, when I first was hired, bunnies weren't allowed to date anyone that they met. But consequently, several of my girlfriends met their husbands at the club, which was great.
2: You're married to Ken Cragen, right?
1: i am we forgot to say that I yeah forgot to mention his name
2: yeah i know that's important
1: and mary tell us about your beginnings
2: well like you i always knew i wanted to be not so much an actress but a dancer and a singer really a singer and i think it all began actually when when i was in high school i went to beverly high that's 90210 mm, where very oh, famous. my famous it was great then because so many stars kids went there danny kays dean martins um danny thomas carl reiner you know rob reiner went there um groucho marx um the ritz brothers all these names of people that no one who's young now would even know of but uh they'd know richard dreyfus he went there so it was such a great place but anyway there was a music group there that was very prestigious on campus and really around town, and it was called the Beverly High Madrigal Singers. And we toured the city, churches, the big theaters. We even went on a tour to Hawaii. But that said, um, the music director was really responsible for my becoming one of Dean Martin's gold diggers. And, and what that happened is was, so awesome on your resume. So, <laughs> oh, I know. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was. Uh, who would think, you know, you just never know what contact is going to put you in touch with someone else that is important that you really care for. But anyway, um, so I had gone to Northwestern and I came home for the summer and I got a call from the music director at the um, Beverly High. And he said he knew someone at the Dean Martin show, the music director there, whose name was Lee Hale. And he asked me to contact him and he said, you'd be great on the show. So I went and auditioned. Um, there were like 250, 300 girls auditioning, and I got the job. It was incredible. <laughs> so, um, and then the girls, I did, I met so many people on, when I was on The Gold Diggers, really legends, like Frank Sinatra and Jimmy Stewart and Ella Fitzgerald and Duke Ellington and OG oh, comedians, Fred Willard, uh, Ruth Buzzy. Um, I'm amazing Louise. to
1: get to be in that situation and be that young.
2: Absolutely. I was just barely 19. But um, then the girls were going to go on tour, and they were going to go on the Bob Hope uh, USO tour. But it was in Vietnam, and my mother wouldn't let me go. She wanted me to go back to school. So, oh, I know, I know, I was stupid, but well, it, it might have positive. been a good decision on her part, you never know. Yeah, well, anyway, um, so I stayed home and went to USC, I didn't go back to Northwestern, but there I, I was, I became interested in journalism and I graduated with a degree in journalism, and when I, uh, my first summer job was with a newspaper, and, um, and then I started working in magazines and newspapers, and I did some local news on TV with, in San Diego with the NBC affiliate there and an, an L- LA affiliate here. And, um, and uh, then, um, well, then I decided I wanted to go back into acting. And is that and how things. you met your husband? I met my husband, Herb Stott, and I met him on my first commercial interview. And, ah. I, you know, in those days, you had a book that you showed people of your pictures. And so when I walked into audition, this man was sitting there, and he asked me to come over. He wanted to see my pictures, and um, I took them, and it was kind of a no- nice feeling standing next to him. And uh, anyway, he looks at me, and he says, you've got the job. He whispered it, and so I looked at him, but then I went home and I told my mother I got the job, and she says, yeah, be careful. You're in Hollywood. Be careful of who you meet, and uh, (laughs) then I married him. (laughs) Anyway. um, Good job, mom. (laughs) Yeah, good job, mom. Anyway, tell me about your early days of your marriage.
1: Well, right before we got married, the month before, My husband had already been managing Kenny Rogers and Kenny Rogers did a concert tour to Europe. So we got to go on the tour and uh, the wives went and with the band and Marianne Rogers was there with Kenny and we had a blast. We went to Helsinki, Finland and Gothenburg, Sweden, and we went to Amsterdam, Or Rotterdam, I guess, and we had a side trip to Moscow, which wasn't part of the wasn't part of the concert tour, but the Russians wanted to meet with Kenny to try and talk him into coming there. But in those days, it was still behind the Iron Curtain, so you couldn't take any money out. So Kenny wasn't that interested in that. You had to spend the money there that you made. But we had a blast seeing Moscow in the early days and eating all the $8 caviar that was such a feast and a treat. We had a blast on that trip and I got to learn how to be a very independent traveler because Kenny and my husband, Ken, were working on the tour and being doing press and every night a concert and so i got to travel around all these cities and check them out Hmm. and discover how to use the public transport and i i really got good at it but also during this time um my early days of marriage my husband decided he should get me my first horse because i had wanted a horse my whole life like more than anything and i asked my parents every year and they always said no it wasn't their fault they couldn't have afforded it and i used to collect little horse china models i had a huge collection mm-hmm. um, but ken got me my first horse and with that started the onslaught of like maybe we should get a ranch and so we got <laughs> some land and built a ranch in paso robles beautiful ranch and we started breeding horses because wow. i don't even know how that happened but i was taking lessons from a trainer up north and he said what about getting some mares and yeah it just snowballed from there it was crazy and uh got to see horses being born and oh it
0: was, you
2: did
1: oh yeah they you they were are there
0: great. Yeah, one,
1: one time I was there by myself when my ranch manager's horse was being born. She was keeping her mare at our place, and she went away and said, would you just look in on her? And she started, like, presenting, like, the hooves the hooves come out first in the baby. And so I got a video camera out, and I videoed my first birth that I witnessed. I videoed it, and I knew that the, the foal had to be able to breathe. So I'm reaching around on the video camera. Tape and pulling the the sack off of the nose of the of the filly so she wow. could breathe, and oh it was gosh. really exciting. I, I love those days. Um, <gasps> yeah. And also during that period of time, pretty early in the marriage, Ken got inspired by Band Aid and by well, Band Aid group with Bob Geldof did a big benefit do they know it's christmas that really famous song that's played every christmas raised a ton of money for africa and harry belafonte called up my husband and said the black entertainers really need to do something here in the u.s to help africa the famine was all over the bbc and the american news stations picked it up and it was a huge big deal because people prior to that had not been exposed to the fact that the people thousands of people were dying in africa and so uh ken said to harry Belafonte, well we shouldn't do a concert let's do a recording kind of was inspired by bob geldoff doing that one but he said i will get lionel richie and michael jackson and stevie wonder and they can write the song and it turned out stevie wonder couldn't make it to the writing session but lionel richie and 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 michael jackson wrote that iconic we are the world and quincy jones was brought in by my husband ken to produce and conduct the choir and the famous if if you haven't if listeners if you haven't seen the footage that goes with we are the world just look it up on youtube or whatever you will not believe the people that are in there and doing it bruce springsteen and all these people it was absolutely wonderful and it raised Millions of dollars, millions of dollars.
2: Wasn't he involved with the USA for Africa as well?
1: Well, that is USA for Africa. That is the board that was formed in order to guide the spending of the money and how it was going to be directed for goods and services in Africa and USA for Africa to this day my husband Ken is still on the board and 35 years later they're still distributing money because oh. every year money comes in and comes in from all the downloads of we are the world cuz people people love that song especially in Japan it sells oh. huge amounts
2: oh wow! so
1: yeah they're still spending and distributing the money and and that same organization then um ken was able to do hands across america which a lot of people probably don't realize what that was but it was a huge big deal it was six million people across the country standing i was one good for you we were at the beginning of the line or the end of the line, depending on how we went to New York City. And um, it was a very exciting day. There were thousands of employees and people, volunteers rather, that um, worked on making it come to happen. It was all sponsored by Coca-Cola. And you you couldn't do an event like that now because who can hold hands with a cell phone in one hand? Everyone's (laughs) got a cell phone. But it was a very, very special, special day an, an incredible, I, where were you in the line, Mary?
2: I was in Hawaii. What, so, they had a
1: line in Hawaii? Well, oh. I formed
2: it, I formed it. I got all the people at the hotel to stand there and oh. we all held
1: hands. I've I never, never heard that. that. S- I've never heard that story, I love it. Yeah. And, but along the way with all these exciting events that we were doing, um, Ken was managing clients, Lionel Richie, Kenny Rogers, Trisha Yearwood, Travis Tritt, Olivia Newton John, all these people. And all these entertainers were so inspirational to me. And because of them, and for me, the whole world opened up because we got to travel with them. So we went with Lionel to Japan, mm-hmm. to Australia, and Kenny went to Australia. We went in Europe, like I mentioned, so many places because of these artists. It was, very very exciting time for me i was i feel very blessed i got to do all that
2: when did you have your daughter emma
1: well she wasn't born until 1990 and it was a long haul getting to the birth of emma because we were trying to get pregnant for a long time and i had miscarriages and your listeners will relate if they've gone through this how awful it can truly awful Uh, trying to get pregnant can be, but it's wonderful if you get to have a baby after all that. And I did, and I would have had maybe another one, but I had miscarriages after Emma also. So she's a very special child to us, our only child.
2: Tell me a little bit about her.
1: Well, she's an interesting kid. When she was seven years old on a placemat in a restaurant, she wrote a book just written out on the placemat, we sent it to a publisher. They loved it and published it, and it was a best-selling book. I think it sold like 700,000 copies, and it's it was called The 12 Dogs of Christmas, and lots of people who have kids will know this book, and if you don't, try and get hold of it because kids adore this Christmas book. It's a Christmas book. And Ken made
2: it into a movie too, didn't he? Yes, two of
1: them. He made it into the 12 Dogs of Christmas. They've got a subtitle too, I forget. And there are two of them and I was in them also. And um, now Emma has gone to film school. She went undergrad to Berkeley, but film school at UCLA and met her fiance during film school. And they have a production company together. And he, his name is Zach, and her name is Emma. So they formed Zemma Productions. And she's a director of photography, cinematographer, and he's a director. And they have a documentary coming out soon. So, Mary, we're going to interview them on one of our upcoming episodes.
2: That'll be great. Weren't you involved in founding a charity too?
1: yes uh i was in my church choir for several decades and during that time uh i was fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time when the pastor's wife claire west Orr, decided we have to do something about the increasing homeless problem in this case just around the church on the west side of los angeles and she and I was in on the ground floor. We all helped found PATH, P-A-T-H, People Assisting the Homeless. And it has become such a fabulous organization that is copied around the, the country as a model situation. Like how can you, these are people that want to come off the streets, that want to get a job, that want to get back into the mainstream. And what they want What do wanna, they do? Well, they teach them how to, Interview for jobs, they give them interview clothing, uh, haircuts, um, art instruction, so they have something to do. Classes, of course, childcare, and interim housing, and then mm-hmm. people can get into low-cost housing, and and then move into back into the mainstream.
2: Wow, that's great! I love that story. Um, I'm involved in a charity, too. It's not really a charity. It's actually I do dog therapy with my golden retriever, Charlie. And we go to a school called The Help Group. That's H-E-L-P. And it's a school for autistic children for the most part. And they have five branches throughout Los Angeles and a thrift store where people donate and buy clothes and purses and shoes and whatever is donated. Uh, And anyway, Charlie and I go there, but we don't necessarily um, work with the autistic kids, although we have. Um, We work with little children ages 2 to 5 or 6, and many of them are Medi-Cal kids who are kids who have family difficulties or um, someone in the family is incarcerated or their foster kids. But, oh my goodness. I. I really realized cuz I don't have children that um, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to get involved with the group because I wanted to be with little children and, and oh, they're just Oh good. Oh they're so cute and I um, I realized that even from the age of 2 you can see what they're going to become the kind of people they are. They're brave, they're not brave, they're they're you know they just are and they're loving they hug and I love the way they interact with my dog he's just amazing and so are they um, and that's
1: your beautiful golden retriever
2: yes he is he is yes yeah and, and tell, also
1: I wanted to ask you about working at the Hollywood Reporter because that huh. was such a good opportunity tell that us about tr-
2: that that's terrific the Hollywood Reporter for people who don't know is a, a big uh, entertainment publication and um, my job there was uh, basically headed up television advertising i did it for 18 years and i loved it and my job was to work with producers and tv studios and tv networks both in the u.s and all the u.s based overseas Um, companies like Warner Brothers, Universal, Sony, um, you know, you name it. So uh, Disney, (laughs) can't leave Disney out. And um, it was just terrific. I think the biggest, there were a couple of big perks to the trip besides meeting the most wonderful, interesting people and movie stars was that I got to go to Cannes, France every year for the television festival, which is lovely. Oh, too bad.
1: It's a dirty job but somebody's got to do it
2: (laughs) yeah somebody's got to do it too bad but um and another perk was all of the fun parties going to the emmys and uh you know all the screen actors guild awards and all these award shows i even um,
1: got to go to an emmys party with you one time
2: you did that that was was really
1: a blast at the beverly Hilton. Hilton. hilton
2: Yeah. yeah, Beverly yeah. Hilton Hotel. It was for HBO, I remember. And they had these laser light shows all over the walls of the buildings and right where the hotel was. And um, yeah, that was really-, really What well, would brilliant. be the
1: highlight of meeting someone at a party?
2: Well, the biggest highlight for, for me- Yeah, for Was you. at the Emmys one year and um, I saw my publisher, talking we were at the dinner afterwards and i saw my publisher talking to a tv star that i really really liked which who was george clooney at the time on er and Mm -hmm. he was talking to him and i thought i want to meet george clooney so i uh, walked over to him and my publisher introduced me to george clooney and then left (laughs) <laughs> and, and then I thought oh my god I'm standing here alone with George Clooney but not really alone, All alone. yeah right well there's hundreds of people around me but we got to talking about his acting career and then he looks at me and he says you know you're really nice and then he kissed me and so, <laughs> I've never washed that must since. have just
1: taken off <laughs> taking your head off as well <laughs> haven't watched since that's quite a while too huh (laughs) it sure
2: is (laughs) yeah that was that was a while ago so Kathy what are you working on now well
1: the pandemic
2: has put a stopper in
1: some of the acting stuff that I was doing I was lucky enough to get to shoot a Super Bowl commercial in January before the pandemic Uh, crashed down and and stuff. And I'm still riding my horse, except for I broke my wrist three weeks ago. So I'm just on a little bit of a uh, interim with no riding. Hiatus. Hiatus, but I will be back to that soon. And I'm also a meditator now. I took meditation about three years ago. So I try to always meditate 20 minutes twice a day. And that seems to really have a very, very positive beneficial effect. I still I love that. Yeah. I, for several I years it. I've been working on my social media. And so I have become during that time what's called a micro influencer, which is an influencer the but under fifty thousand people followers.
2: That's a lot.
1: So, but yeah, it's well, I'm under that, but You know, I'm like 23 or something like that right now, but it's, it's really a blast because now people are starting to ask me to, you know, sponsor, be a sponsor with products and stuff. So that's fun. And, and I really am excited to have just started this podcast with you. And yes, and I want to meet some listeners, talk to listeners. So that's really fun. Mary, what are you working on now?
2: Well, (laughs) I uh, like you, um, I can't do my volunteer work at the help group. So that's very sad for me. Um, And I also started to meditate. Um, I actually get I don't even get up in the morning without meditating. So I, I Me too. I wake up and meditate and uh, then I look at the news of the day and then that's depressing me so (laughs) I meditate a little bit more and then um, I get up and uh, anyway so what I'm doing I also meditate with a writing group every day because I'm writing a novel and we get together every day and we meditate and write and then we have a class. And um, I'm doing this podcast which I'm just loving doing with you and I'm excited that we're going to be presenting such interesting people and interesting thoughts to our audience. So um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing now. And besides doing a lot of cooking at home and, um, <laughs> and trying I'm to so figure sick out of my own cooking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, I live underneath the Hollywood sign. So I uh, I walk a lot in the hills. And that's really refreshing. So. Anyway, um, I would love for our audience to get to know us a little bit better. And there's some fun questions that we uh, we may not know the answers to about each other. So um, anyway, a lightning How about round.
1: A lightning round. Yeah. yeah that sounds fun.
2: Yeah. Okay. OK. So what's your favorite movie or movies,
1: movies? I have to say my favorite genre is teen angsty. 80s 90s movies which sounds weird for me but i love them clueless mean girls valley girl i love those movies ferris bueller's day off one of my highlights but but i have to say for a favorite favorite it has to be a musical and i i'm just like obsessed with la la land i went crazy for la la land when it came out and i love the greatest showman so those are my two favorites right
2: now i love the greatest showman i love musicals too i think my favorite musical would be singing in the rain but my favorite genre and you won't expect this is rom-com i just love romance movies with a happy ending for the most part um you know i love movies like love actually and annie hall but i think my very favorite romantic movie with not necessarily a happy ending is casablanca
1: Yeah. That's pretty good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite food? Oh, it's not really a food, but chocolate chip cookie. I cannot go a day without one or a part of a one. Oh, that's a food
1: for sure. Um, What's your favorite cocktail?
2: Um, Well, um, (laughs) I'm a wine girl, Pinot Grigio, but you didn't tell me what your favorite. Oh, I'm
1: sorry. Yeah, I didn't. Avocado, I think.
2: Mm, that's good what about your favorite cocktail oh i would say tito's
1: tito's martini with basil and lime juice in mm. it
2: what about your favorite city
1: oh you didn't tell me your cocktail
2: i did i said wine you did Pino- oh pinot oh, grigio sorry. okay pinot grigio and what's your favorite city uh we love this city together paris paris, paris. yeah paris. you and
1: i have been there together for sure that's my
2: favorite yeah where would you like to go you haven't been well
1: I've been blessed to go a lot of places I would have to say at some point I really want to go to Vienna and mm. be there like on a New Year's Eve or a Christmas Eve and take a, a snowy sleigh ride with horse oh. horse
2: drawn sleigh and all the lights in Vienna, it's such a beautiful yeah. city. I i have not been to Prague or Budapest or some of the, uh, you know, Dubrovnik, and I'd love to go there. Um, that's what I'd like to do.
1: Oh, yeah, I've been to Dubrovnik. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say, is, I'm, i I think I know the answer to one of these, what's your favorite kind of dog? and cat and horse?
2: Well, you do know the answer. Of course, my golden retriever, my favorite dog. Um, I've had three of them. And um, I just, there's nothing for me better, but you have a different answer. My favorite cat would be a Persian or Abyssinian. And horse, I love the way the Palominos look. What about you?
1: Yeah. Well, favorite dog is for sure Boxer. I right now have a very, very sweet, boxer rescue that we've had about seven years now he is our eighth boxer we usually have two at a time but he's an only child (laughs) and cat i've had lots of cats and i love abyssinians they are so smart and cute and horse has to be dressage horse a german warm blood or a dutch warm blood for sure
2: (laughs) If you have just won $5 million in a lottery, what would you do with it?
1: Oh, I would figure out a way to help Emma and Zach make sure they get into their first home. I would pay off my mortgage. And then I would love, love, love to start a foundation and have a real charity cause to back. And I can't tell you what that would be right now, but that's what I would do with the money.
2: Hmm. I would um, I would help my sister who's handicapped. I would um, I would love to start a charity for the STEM or STEAM as you call it—the science, math, engineering, technology, and art—for um, kids who are underprivileged. Um, I'd like to travel a lot, and I too would like to pay off my house. Mm. What did you? What did your parents do? Well my
1: dad was an electronics engineer and and he worked for the federal government after being in the service in the army during world war ii and my mom was a homemaker from a farm in north carolina where she was the seventh of eight children and oh my gosh she was just the blood of the family she was my mom was amazing
2: yes she was i remember her my dad was an art dealer, and my mom, um, she taught school, but she was also, she loved the acting and she was in a movie when she was in um, Some Like It Hot. Oh. Yeah, 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 she was in the band. What was your first or favorite car? Uh, my first car and favorite car that I bought was my Datsun 240Z. Mm hmm.
1: I had the same taste because I bought a Datsun 280Z for my first car, and I was so proud of having these little coupons, uh, car payments I had to (laughs) send in.
2: (laughs) I remember those. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. Um, What's the fondest memory you have of your grandparents?
1: Well, my dad's parents moved to Riverside, when I was a kid. So they lived near us and I got to see them. But my mom's mom, uh, my mom's father passed away when she was much younger, but my mom's mom was lived never left the state of North Carolina. So every three or four years, we would drive across the country and get to experience life on the farm with grandma who would kill a chicken for, for the dinner in the backyard. And then, you know, um, We'd have it for dinner, and she'd make fresh biscuits every single day. And he worked way almost to 90 years old running that farm.
2: Wow! Yeah, oh, what a, that's great. Mine, um, my grandfather, my we lived in a duplex above my grandparents and every morning my grandfather would throw open the window and sing in the most beautiful operatic voice and sometimes he would sing oh what a beautiful morning you know oh what a beautiful morning and oh, um it, beautiful. i just loved i i loved listening to that in the morning and um my I bet grand- it made
1: some of the neighbors mad, though. <laughs>
2: Never. He sounded so oh. good. He had a beautiful <laughs> voice, and my grandmother used to tell me these stories about her when she was a little girl. The lamplighters would come in Minnesota, Minneapolis, and they would light the lamps because there were no the street lights because there were no there was no electricity. And my other favorite thing about my grandmother was she made the best banana cake, and I got to lick the batter.
1: Oh, nice!
2: Yeah. So, what's your favorite
1: sound? Sound. Uh, well, if if we discount music, music is definitely on top. All lots of kinds of music, but really, really, really is the sound of of a horse nickering when they recognize you.
2: What's that sound like? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. It's very subtle, but when they see you coming. And they're like maybe in their stall or they're, you know, they're in the cross ties or whatever. They just look at you and they say that.
2: Oh, <laughs> I'd like has to that. be. Oh, well, mine is dog paws on the stairs.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. That means the dog is coming towards you. Is that what that means, or going away, or?
2: Um. Either you know.
1: Oh yeah, that's a good imitation. I love it.
2: Well, it depends if it's a carpet or a floor. If it's a floor, it's like nails, you know, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's enough for our lightning round. I hope our (laughs) listeners enjoyed that as much as we did.
1: We can do some more some other time.
2: That would be fun, yeah. So visit us on our website, lateboomers.biz, and drop us a line if you feel inclined. We'll leave you with a couple of quotes today. And I'll start, mine's from Goethe, um, actually attributed to Goethe, and which is, whatever you can do, or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Begin it now.
1: Inspirational, I love that quote. And my quote is from Howard Thurman, by way of Seku Andrews that I got it from, who wrote, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive." End quote. Thank you for joining us today on Late Boomers. See you soon.
2: We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here, and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.
0: Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. Go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.